Hey guys, welcome to the Wrestling Escape Pod and welcome to a very, very special episode. This is going to be absolutely rammed. This is uh, very special because we are going to be talking about SummerSlam, the biggest party of the summer. And uh, I am very excited about this one because this for me is what the podcast was all about. It was about really delving into the history of wrestling and uh, this is one of the biggest shows that WWE have. So we've already done uh, an episode about WrestleMania. We've done an episode about Extreme Rules. Uh, and now it's time for SummerSlam. So, uh, Tommy, how are you, my friend? Tommy Toy Travels. How's life treating you? Bad news. I got. I need to just start with this bad news because I know. I know you've been waiting for it. I know I hinted at it. Yeah. So I know a lot of people really enjoy me here really enjoy my time here but i i hate to say that this is probably my last podcast here today whoa yeah. okay you did you never you never live reaction right now guys live reaction right now I'm uh sorry, what's, going, what's, going, what's going down in tommy toy travels town what's happening is it the rice? Is it Sherwood? Is it Svitlana? No. Has Svitlana no. stole you away? <laughs> no, it's just that I have that last week. If if our long-term listeners remember, I said I had a derm appointment. So I figured if I'm going back home, I might as well just go back home and not stay down here. So this is my last episode here. Hang on. Well, hang, on, hang, on hang on. This is your last episode where you are yeah yeah right okay that right that makes more sense okay. yeah yeah <laughs> right okay right i'm starting to figure this out now so that that this is you're going back home that's what you're saying yeah 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 okay so the trees it a little better um, okay, but... uh, did, yeah yeah i reckon you could i reckon you could have worded it a little bit better yeah uh but you're going back to the encroaching trees you're going yes. back to the spider-man towel you're going yes. back to the suspect air ventilation system that's mm -hmm. stuck in the window. You're going yes. back to the built-in wardrobe. Yeah. Yes. All, all of that. Okay. Amazing. We will have updated reports. I haven't been there in about a month, so who knows what happened? Who knows well, if, the trees if it's going to look the same? The trees might have encroached even more. I mean, we already yeah. know they were encroaching. They might be now fully in the room. Yeah. I'm really excited for this new step new stage in my life and um i'm glad to be taking everyone with me on on this journey wow there we go and and have you learned anything whilst you've been where you are because i can't remember where you are like like did i did i learn any new skills or did i learn any fun well, not facts? Like, i'm not i'm not gonna say now that you're like do you know what i mean some kind of warrior or some kind of hunter gatherer oh. or something like this no. okay uh, but have you learned anything about yourself? Because you've been on bike rides. You've, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you've been fending for yourself. You know, you've been weighing out rice. Uh, you've done so much. I kind of, I kind yeah. of feel like you've been on a journey, and I feel like we've been on this journey with you. So, is there really anything that you're taking? Anything that you're taking back? Apart I'd from rice, like to imagine I'll take the rice back with me. Yeah, and, um, and that's and that's it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Rice, rice and a and a bike that's got broken brakes. Amazing. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Okay. Well, let's. This is a. You gave me a mini heart attack, so <laughs> thank you for that. Um, no problem. <laughs> but that has definitely woken me up for the rest of this episode. Uh, so uh, this is our SummerSlam episode. And as I said, I am genuinely, genuinely excited for this one. There's so much to go through. I, I need to just blast into it because we're going all the way back to 1988. And WWE was competing against um, the NWA and other promotions that were really starting to kind of utilize pay-per-view and utilize uh, big monthly shows. So they had WrestleMania. They had think royal rumble by this stage they had survivor series they needed something for the summer they needed there was a big gap that they needed to fill and so in 1988 along came SummerSlam. uh the first summer slam took place at madison square garden um and it's not it's not regarded as like a classic it, it, it's all right it's got some decent matches on it uh, i think it was at the 1988 one where warrior managed to beat Honky Tonk Man and actually end his iconic Intercontinental Championship run. Uh, Honky Tonk Man's regarded as one of the greatest ever IC champions. An ultimate warrior was his mystery opponent and in the space of like 15 seconds managed to beat Honky Tonk Man and end a near 15-month championship reign. Uh, one of the most iconic uh, championship reigns in the history of WWE. So kind of starting things off with a bit of a bang here. Um, and what's really interesting as well is at that first SummerSlam, they tried to get Ric Flair, who was the NWA champion at the time. Um, and they were real close to getting him. They wanted to do champion versus champion. They wanted to do macho man against Ric Flair, WWE champion versus the NWA champion. Um, but they couldn't get things to work out because amazingly, and I only found this out whilst I was researching for this show, but amazingly, um, they couldn't get Ric Flair because at that point in time, Ted Turner was looking to buy Jim Crockett promotions and create WCW, but he would only do it if Ric Flair was part of the deal. So it's kind of amazing that all of this is happening around the same time. If WWE had managed to get Ric Flair for SummerSlam 1988, would we even have had WCW? Because Ted Turner wouldn't have uh, gone ahead with it if Ric Flair wasn't part of the deal. So it's, it's really fascinating stuff like that that I absolutely love getting my teeth into. That first one was so successful, it had 400,000 buys uh, compared to WrestleMania that had 485,000 buys. So the fact they've come out with a brand new show and it's only 85,000 buys behind what WrestleMania did that year uh, was very, very impressive. And as we said, not the, not the best kind of opening show ever um, from an in-ring wise, but certainly they made a statement there. Have you um, got like a fond, before we get stuck into like the history of SummerSlam, I've got some of the best matches, some of the worst matches. Um, have you got like a fond SummerSlam moment at all or anything when, when we talk about SummerSlam? Is there something that kind of comes to mind? I know before we started recording, you hinted at a certain 
Yes. <laughs> there was someone that had a career-defining match that I think overshadows every other match at a SummerSlam event. And to me, I personally feel like SummerSlam has never reached those heights and was always kind of a letdown starting in, what was that, 1988 when you said they started? Even then it was a letdown because um, people back then looked to the future and they saw that that match was going to happen. And they knew that the card for everyone up till then was just not going to be as good. And that was uh, Rebella against uh, Stephanie McMahon in what was a match where I'm not even sure who won. It was probably Brie mode. Um, I don't even remember the match. I was excited that Stephanie was wrestling again. It was, and, it was a big match. Yeah. And it, was, just, it, was, it was connected. I mean, like, to be honest, I didn't do, I'm having to pull this off the top of my head now because I haven't researched this match. Um, but I seem to recall that it's, it was connected to Daniel Bryan and the fact that the authority kept saying that Daniel Bryan was a B-plus player and that he was never going to make it. And obviously, Brie Bella is with Daniel Bryan. And so I think it was kind of all came out of that. Uh, and so uh, we actually ended up getting Steph versus uh, Brie Bella, but it was a, kind of a side effect of the whole Daniel Bryan yes movement thing. So in isolation, some people might look at that and go, hmm, it's a bit strange, but it did, it did, there was a reason for it. It did actually make a lot of sense. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I think they even made a figure of Stephanie from that match. Yeah. I seem to recall, yeah, a Mattel figure yeah, that came cool. out from that. So, yeah, it's really cool. Um, so, moving on to 1989, uh, just going back to the history there, uh, we've got uh, Mean Gene Oakland. This is amazing. So, Mean Gene is standing in front of the SummerSlam sign. And again, just to take this back to Mattel, Mattel actually uh, created this backdrop. Uh, it was a build a SummerSlam set. And you could actually build the backdrop with the SummerSlam logo. And I think the reason why they did that was because of this moment. Um, because Mean Gene's talking and in the background, the sign actually falls and lands on the floor. And it startles him. He's in the middle of doing an interview. And he's like, what? And like the thing goes and he swears, right? Now, of course, this was pre-recorded. But the problem was WWE put the wrong clip in the show. So when it actually came time to showing SummerSlam, they'd included the blooper. They'd included the wrong take. So uh, I love that. So it's such an iconic moment as a result because they had to try and scramble and cover it and uh, find a way of moving on with the show. Um, so it's kind of a, 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 an iconic moment. And as we said, Mattel, very good at kind of capturing those moments in, uh, in figure form. I think that was like a flashback series that build a, a SummerSlam kind of backdrop, and, and that was the reason for it. But uh, around 91 as well, um, they they teased that Ric Flair had joined. Uh, obviously, Ric Flair, they'd been trying to get him for a number of years, as we said earlier. He would finally join. But what's really amazing is that they, they were talking and teasing that he was coming. I think they even showed the NWA Heavyweight Championship, Big Gold, they have big gold uh, on WWE TV on SummerSlam. Um, 
it's it's i mean that is shocking that would be like the the way to explain it would be like if you tuned into SummerSlam this year and Michael Cole is sat there with the AEW championship in front of him that's the way to compare it that's the, <laughs> like honestly that would be how shocking this would be like he's coming he's he's coming you know he's on the way i don't think they actually say his name uh i don't think they say his name but they make it very clear that he's on the way. But what's amazing is that I've read reports that he hadn't actually signed. Uh, even at that point, he was he was close to signing, but it wasn't all done and dusted by this point. But uh, they were so excited, they were already building it up. And of course, he does sign. Uh, and mm -hmm. Ric Flair does come in and they end up like having to pixelate the belt because Ric Flair's claiming is the real champion, blah, 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 blah. But again, you know, that's it's got history with SummerSlam. Um, also in 91, we've got one of the classic matches, Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect for the Intercontinental Championship. Um, it also on that show, we had the Mountie losing to the big boss man and he would go to uh, jail. He would have to spend the night in jail, which uh, I love that stipulation. I love that match, actually. Uh, they keep going back to the Mountie and they're showing him where he's lost the match and he's being dragged to prison. And then they go back later in the show and he's being fingerprinted. And then they show him being like booked in and then they show him being slung it. Like, I just love it when there's a storyline that plays out throughout a show. And this was a real good one. So I think that was awesome. Um, this also had Andre's last appearance in America. Uh, Andre, the, by this point, obviously was on crutches and in a lot of pain. Um, and he would do a few house shows and a European tour. But this is the last time uh, that we would actually see Andre. Um, and also Ultimate Warrior. Uh, I mean, 91 had a lot happen. 1991 is regarded as one of the great SummerSlams. Um, and Ultimate Warrior demanded half a million dollars otherwise he wasn't going to compete and uh vince mcmahon said that okay i'll give you the money and as, as soon as the match was over he fired him he suspended him and said you oh. made a you you made a big mistake that's crazy oh isn't it had, had you had you heard that story before no no uh, yes. Mm, there's a few examples of wrestlers doing that, but I think the most famous one is Ultimate Warrior. He he wasn't happy with some like pay that he'd received before, and he was really starting to kind of drift away from the company. I don't think he was ever like the biggest company guy. He was always kind of out for himself. You know, it's fine, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, to to turn around to Vince and say I'm not I'm not doing my match like literally a couple of days before. And uh, unless I get paid half a million, uh, and he wanted a few other negotiations on his contract as well, and uh, yeah, crazy, crazy. Um, right, we're going to move on now to SummerSlam '92. Now, my question for you is: Have you seen SummerSlam '92? This is the SummerSlam that comes from London, England. It comes from Wembley. Were you conceived? That night, I, I was conceived. Yes, not. So I mean, very... nothing oh. to do with this show. I just was conceived. <laughs> um, I did not see it. I was uh, sleeping. A wee child. You was uh, you was weighing out rice. Yeah, at that yeah. age, probably. That's all I could eat. 
<laughs> yeah, this is this. Uh, we actually did a watch along on the show, and I've got to be honest, I don't think that it's that great. I think it's absolutely iconic. It's got over 80,000 people in attendance. This show was meant to take place in Washington, but actually, around this time, like obviously, Hulkamania had like really faded away. Um, I don't even know that Hogan was around at this point. Uh, it was kind of going through a, a big transitional phase, WWE. Like they were really starting to build Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. And, uh, you know, even Macho Man was kind of coming towards the end of his in-ring time. He would obviously go to WCW and carry on competing. But um, I think it's fair to say his best years were behind him by this point. So, um, yeah, it was it was an interesting time. The card isn't brilliant. The matches aren't great, but it's got one of the best main events in WWE history. British Bulldog versus Bret Hart for the Intercontinental Championship. The Intercontinental Championship main evented SummerSlam 92. It actually went on higher up the card than the WWE title. Uh, the WWE Championship was Warrior versus Macho Man. And it's a very good match, but it's got a bit of a dodgy finish. Uh, There's a bit of outside interference and whatever. Um, Doesn't have a satisfying conclusion. That's the problem with that match for me. But the main event is incredible. Bret Hart, British Bulldog. um, The the fans so passionate for the Bulldog, desperate for him to to win that IC title. And uh, it's, it's just one of the best moments in WWE history, certainly SummerSlam history. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. If you get a chance to check that match out in particular, I'd, I would urge that you do. Uh, in 93, we get the Lex Express. Um, this is weird. So Lex Luger, who was a heel, um, did you ever see the body slam challenge? This was Yokozuna, uh, on a warship USS intrepid or enterprise it was something like that and uh basically different people on the 4th of july 1993 different people tried to slam yokozuna and uh the challenge was that no one could do it did you ever see that nope oh you should check it's really good it's really really good because they have loads of wrestlers try but they get a load of nfl stars try as well and um, no one can do it. Everyone gives it a go and um, no one can do it. And then in the distance, one of those classic moments right at the end. Wow, that's it, guys. It, it looks like Yokozuna has defeated America and all of this. But then in the distance, what's this? There's a helicopter that's in the sky. And uh, it's and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, is it Brie mode? It's not Brie mode because the helicopter lands and it's Lex Luger. Lex Luger. I think people were probably thinking it was Hogan, but it's it's not Hogan. It's Lex Luger, who was a heel at this point. But he comes out and, you know, he's kind of, you know, gesturing to the crowd and they're supporting him. And I think he's got like a Stars and Stripes shirt on. So it's quite clear that he's representing America. Um, and so he gets into the ring and he does it. He slams Yokozuna. And it's it's a it's a I remember it as a kid and I I just thought it was one of the best things I'd ever seen. Like you didn't know who was in the helicopter. The fact that loads of people, including American football players, had tried, no one could do it. But here was Lex Luger, and Lex Luger did it. And honestly, 
from from a booking point of view, from a pushing point of view, they they could not have pushed him harder. They after that they did a music video with him, like this really nice video package. They put him in a bus called the Lex Express. And this bus went all around America and he went to schools and he met people and he slept on the bus and he was on the road for like 40 odd days or whatever. And it was all building towards him versus Yokozuna at SummerSlam. And uh, they finally get to SummerSlam and he wins the match, but he wins by count out. So he doesn't become champion. Uh, it's it's one of the weirdest things because like everyone's celebrating and they've got him on their shoulders and they're like, yeah, he's done it. He's beaten Yokozuna, but he didn't become champion. He didn't win the belt. So everyone's like, this is stupid. This is why is he celebrating? Like it didn't make any sense. It didn't after all of that months and months of work that they'd put into it. And I still don't. No one knows why. No one knows why he didn't win the title on that date. They had, they had confetti, balloons. The locker room came out to celebrate. Like this, they could not have made this a bigger deal if they tried. And and for what? For what? For a count out win that meant he wasn't champion. It's bizarre, man. It's really, really bizarre. What's what in wrestling? What would you say is one of the most bizarre? weirdest things that you saw because i i've got i would have that right up there as mine i just think that it was so weird seeing a locker room come out and people celebrating and he didn't even win the title another example that i've got next year was undertaker versus undertaker that was bizarre yeah yeah it was, that was uh, also bizarre i i don't Every uh, raw underground, raw underground. <laughs> that was bizarre. Yeah, um, <laughs> it seems like WWE just loves doing really bizarre stuff. Uh, not that it's not that other um, wrestling promotions don't do weird stuff, but it seems like WWE that's their thing. They love doing these weird. Uh, dusty finishes and stuff like that so the audience doesn't get what they want but it just ends up with everything seeming really odd and like what what's the point of that yeah, i can't say did. though uh did you did you watch the aew women's with uh the return of uh cameron ariani i did i saw the clip on social media but um this tag tournament that they've been doing has been uh, on YouTube, I believe. Uh, it's not been a part of Dynamite. And no. uh, I'll be honest, the only AEW viewing that I do, I don't watch Being the Elite. I don't watch Dark. Um, I, d I don't watch like the other stuff they do. I, I literally just watch Dynamite. Um, and so I saw the clip of her returning, um, but I've not seen anything other than that. But... Uh, from what I've seen, like I think, I think she's already out. I think she's already been eliminated from that's, this tournament. That's what I was going to lift up. I was okay. going to say, why would you bring back such an accomplished talent, such the biggest star of Total Divas, other than Brie Mode? Uh, and genuinely, I didn't think she did. She was that bad of a performer in the ring. I know people always say that AEW's weakest link is their women's division, and it's 
definitely kind of odd having some of those great stardom wrestlers and uh, Tokyo Joshi uh, wrestlers going against Cameron. But I thought she was I thought she was fine. I didn't see problems with her. I know your buddy Big Dave uh, had some qualms with her, but I, that's why would you bring in that talent? And just be like, okay, first round, you're gone. I hope I hope they do more. But as as a big fan of AEW, I'm definitely never watching again. Well, because of that reason, because they yeah. buried Cameron. Yeah. Fair yeah. play. Fair play. Yeah. Did you see that um, Dasha, Dasha, who is the ring announcer, and she used to be a ring announcer in WWE as well. Uh, she, they actually had her wrestle in that tournament as well. And can't I see that because she... I blocked them. Oh, oh, okay, because of the Cameron thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's fair play. That's fair play. Yeah. I, I think uh, because they did that with Dasha, because they brought back Cameron, because uh, Medusa was involved in um, announcing some of the pairings and things, I think it's probably likely they just brought her back for a little bit of a, a, a raising awareness. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. oh, that might be worth a watch to see what Cameron's like these days. I don't know that they're going to give her a contract. She's going to stay permanently signed or whatever, but... Uh, yeah, well, they lost in- me as a long-time Well, they've lost fan. you. They've lost yeah. you. Talking yeah. of losing people, that brings me nicely to my <laughs> next segment. Uh, in 1996, we actually had Mankind versus Undertaker, and this was epic. This was amazing because this was... Um, obviously, these two had a great feud. But you had to get to Paul Bearer and get the urn, right? That was the that was what you had to do in the match. So these two are fighting. Undertaker gets to Paul Bearer, and Paul Bearer turns his back on the Undertaker. And for the first time, Paul Bearer like leaves the Undertaker. I think he gets hit with the urn as well, and Paul Bearer sides with mankind. So Undertaker actually loses. Uh, his BFF, uh, which was uh, such an amazing moment. Um, I did just 90- want to note that that was the first ever Boiler Room Brawl. Yeah, So that's pretty cool. We also had, uh, in 2000, the first ever TLC match at SummerSlam as well. So um, A lot of this, exclusives. Yeah. This was, uh, who you would imagine, uh, Dudley Boys, Edge, Christian, Hardys. Um, they basically brought the gimmicks that they were best known for and they blended it all into this one match. And uh, this match was TLC. So the first TLC match was born in the year 2000. Um, we're around uh, the Attitude Era now. We're, we're sneaking up to the Attitude Era. And there's some big moments at this um, uh, event during the Attitude Era. Of course, we would get the likes of Bret Hart and Undertaker. Uh, which was uh, a great match. Um, but in 97, man, this is a big moment, but maybe for the wrong reasons, Stone Cold against Owen Hart and the botched pile driver of all the wrestlers that you could name that would botch things. Nia Jax is probably top, right? But uh, who would not feature on that list arguably at all? would be Owen Hart. You just wouldn't expect Owen Hart to, to botch any maneuvers, but he he, ac- he did. Accidentally, he did get a pile driver wrong and um, 
Stone Cold's head was too low and he gets driven in and serious, serious neck problems. Um, and it definitely cut Stone Cold's career short. Um, you know, he's 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 got big problems. He had to be helped out of the ring by three officials and he was gone having surgery, recovering from that injury for four or five months. But he he was never the same after that. He was never the same performer. He had to change his in-ring style and um, I think held a bit of a grudge against Owen uh, for a little while for that. So difficult, difficult. I mean, uh, obviously Owen didn't mean to do that. And um, yeah, that was SummerSlam 97. Uh, what do you think also, would have happened if that didn't happen? Well, I mean, I think they still managed to pretty much do what they wanted to do. I think if you if you think that Stone Cold's last match was at WrestleMania 19, which I believe was, what, 2002-2003? So, you know, he was able to still carry on for another five, six years. Granted... You know, maybe they couldn't get as much out of him. Maybe he couldn't do as much as, you know, he needed to in the ring or something. But I, I don't think anyone looks back at Stone Cold during the Attitude Era and thinks, oh, if only, if only, if only we could have got a little bit more out of it. Like, I mean, pre- like, pretty if, much if maxed he didn't out. have to retire. Oh, if he didn't have to retire. I, I don't know. I mean, he... Maybe he could have carried on and, you know, we would have got some great matches because he kind of left just as that ruthless aggression era is coming through. So, mm-hmm. you know, just think of the matches of Stone Cold John Cena, Stone Cold Brock Lesnar, Stone Cold uh, Randy Orton. I'm not just talking about one-off matches. I'm talking about lengthy feuds. I'm talking about really interesting storylines that could have been explored with um, that whole kind of ruthless aggression group that was coming through. Um, So, yeah, I I think that WWE definitely, I mean, there's no denying they would have been in a stronger place. But uh, equally, I think ruthless aggression was about that class coming through and and really taking WWE. You know, look at Brock, who in the space of a year became champion. Now, could he have got past Stone Cold would Stone Cold have been a, a, an obstacle in his way? Would it have been that he would have got past Triple H, Rock, but maybe not a Stone Cold? Or you know, would they have been tempted to have still kept Stone Cold strong? If you know what I mean. So I think I don't. I think WWE would have been stronger. I don't think there's any denying that. But I, I don't know. I I, th- I still think the way that it played out was pretty good pretty good because they were just lucky that as stone cold went this amazing class of superstars broke through like as we said batista as well another name that came through at that time i agree with everything you said uh i think his time to have to depart even though it wasn't for the best reasons it certainly opened the door to new stars and new stars are always important we're seeing now uh in wwe how important it could have been if they had kept building those stars right now. Um, mm. They might not be having such an issue with ratings. Uh, and if Stone Cold didn't have to retire, he might have just ended up on TNA like most people. And 
that he'd just be like faded out rather than remembered. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you'd have to think that if he was around longer, he would have been a victim of awful creative at some point because it gets mm-hmm. everyone at some point, you know. He he, he was kind of fortunate that he was around during that Attitude Era um, when they were going head-to-head with WCW and WWE decided to get a little bit edgy and make their content a little more adult-orientated. And, you know, I mean, what would have happened if he had had his best years now during the PG era? I mean, he came back not that long ago and did an awful segment with Byron Saxton where, you know, Stone Cold was in the ring saying a few lines and Byron was judging uh, his lines like by holding up scores. And uh, you kind of look at that and go, that's what they would do with a mm-hmm. PG Stone Cold. So, yeah, he, he. I think it went, I think you're right. I think it went the best way it could. Uh, 2002 was uh, regarded as the best ever SummerSlam. Um, and uh, we did a watch along for this not long ago, and it is very, very good. Uh, I suppose the big talking point here is we've already touched on one, actually, Rock versus Brock. Brock coming into the company and managing to get that uh, championship uh, very quickly, very quickly from the Rock. Um, you know, uh, he'd, I think, won King of the Ring and uh, beaten the likes of Hogan and uh, they really put a rocket on Brock, pushed him as hard as they could. Um, you know, short of putting him in the Brock Express and driving him around America and having him meet kids and everything. I don't know how much more they could have done. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Rock and Brock was uh, a massive match there. And also the return of HBK, the return of Shawn Michaels, who'd been away for four years. Um, he came back and uh, had an incredible street fight against Triple H. That is regarded as one of the best ever matches. Um, And just whilst we're on HBK, at SummerSlam 2005, he has a match against Hulk Hogan. Have you seen this match? You need to check this one out as well. I hope you're making notes. you got some uh, SummerSlam homework, uh, because this This is um, Shawn Michaels upset with Hulk Hogan because Hogan was meant to do, I think it was three matches against Shawn. They were both meant to win one match. And then I I can't remember if it was Hogan or Shawn that would win the third, but someone would win the third and win the feud. Hogan decided he didn't want to do that. He just wanted to face Shawn once and he was going to beat him. And that was it. Like, there was no conversation to be had. I'll face you, but it's going to be once and I'm going to win. And Sean was angry. So what he did was during this match, every time Hulk Hogan would punch him or kick him or something, Sean Michaels would go flying across the <laughs> ring. Like, he would absolutely... There's some great moments where, like, Hogan hits him with a big boot. Sean actually goes down, flips over flips back onto his feet and then falls back down again. Uh, and there's moments where he's like flipping up over the ropes, going to the outside. It's just like, Matt, well, he just he just doesn't care. He just doesn't care. He just bumps and sells and chucks himself up, but not in a place, not in a way that kind of makes this a real convincing, real powerful perform. It's, it's one of those kind of where you go, what is he doing? 
what is he doing? This is he he tries to turn turn the match into a joke. Um I I I really like the match. I, I, I really like it. I mean, because you know that backstory and you know what Sean is doing, it gives it that extra layer, you know? Mm-hmm. But I should imagine if you didn't know, you'd be like, What is going on? What is he doing? <laughs> Yeah. So that is uh, 2005. Hogan's 6-0 at SummerSlam as well. I think he's got one of the best records when it comes to SummerSlam. Um, someone's got to beat him. Someone's got to beat him, yeah. Um, Baron Corbin. Yeah, well, don't, shh, don't say that too loud because they might do it. They might ah. do it. <laughs> that's the kind that's the kind of thing where someone from wwe creative is just you know checking out the pod and they'll be like yeah do you know what it's a, a good idea let's just jot that down put that down defeats oh. hogan in his first match back well he did beat kurt angle at wrestlemania wrestlemania 35 kurt angle's last wwe match is a loss to baron corbin it's it's <clears throat> Hey, talking about big losses, we're now sneaking our way to uh, 2010. And this is got to be one of the worst moments in WWE history. This is the Nexus being buried <clears throat> by John Cena. So the Nexus was basically um, NXT recruits that formed a group and decided to take over WWE. The way they were booked, they were really cool. They were awesome. Um, they were, like, destroying ringside areas. And people were really on board, man. They they really made these guys look amazing. And it's kind of crazy, because when you actually look at who was in the group, you kind of go, wow, how did we ever think that that was a deadly group? Because it was like Wade Barrett, who is cool. But then Heath Slater, look at how they used Heath Slater after. Uh, David Atunga, Darren Young, um, Justin Gabriel, Skip Sheffield, who would go on to become Ryback. Like the way that these guys were buried in the years that followed is, is was kind of staggering. It was kind of mm-hmm. staggering. But at the time, they were red hot. They were brand new. They were really exciting. And they were taking on a team of WWE superstars. So it was Nexus versus Team WWE, and Team WWE was Edge, John Morrison, Jericho, R-Truth, John Cena, Brett the Hitman Hart, and a mystery partner, and that mystery partner turned out to be Daniel Bryan, um, and people loved Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan had been in NXT, so there was a real history there, Um And anyway, it got down to the fact that I think it was like Wade Barrett and Justin Gabriel uh, against John Cena. And John Cena managed to beat those two remaining members. And it was John Cena that stood tall on his own. And that was it. I mean, Nexus were done. They, They tried to carry on with the group, but the momentum was gone. And it is regarded. I think even John Cena admits that he shouldn't have picked up the win um on that match and it's kind of crazy because cena's record at SummerSlam is awful it's it's something like four wins eight defeats like he loses at SummerSlam all the time you you might not think it but he has picked up a lot of defeats at SummerSlam yet that one win that he had in 2010 is awful 
is absolutely awful and uh, kind of buried the Nexus, as we said. I've got a little Cena run that I want to just bring to your attention just to finish off this Cena section. And actually, that will be us done for our little history lesson. So um, in, in 2010, it was Cena versus Nexus. Um, but check this out for a run of great matches. In 2013, John Cena versus Daniel Bryan for the WWE Championship. It is an incredible match. Um, and uh, if you've not seen it again, I would urge that you check it out. So that was the main event of 2013. In 2014, John Cena against Brock Lesnar. This is when Lesnar destroyed Cena. And it was the birth of Suplex City. So uh, that, that was SummerSlam 2014. 2015, Cena against Seth Rollins in an incredible match. Such a great match. Everyone, universal praise. It was a match of the year contender. John Stewart comes down at the end and interferes. John Stewart um, hitting John Cena, I think, with a chair. And the reason why he did it was because he didn't want John breaking Ric Flair's record. That was his reasoning. For me, I wasn't a fan of the ending. I wasn't a fan of John Stewart doing that. But the match before is incredible. John Cena, Seth Rollins. And then in 2016, John Cena, AJ Styles. It's a 30-minute classic. Um, like the hype going into SummerSlam 2016 the fact we were going to see AJ Styles, John Cena, people were like foaming at the mouth. The match not only delivered, but exceeded expectations. So, I mean, just look at that for four years in a row. I think even in 2012, he faced like Big Show and CM Punk for the title in a, in a really good match. But for me, 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, those, those Cena performances, those Cena matches are incredible you've got to put respect where it's due man that is a great great run is you a cena fan uh yeah after hearing you talk about him very much so very much so uh, i i agree with you those basically those four were the ones when i was watching not uh unfortunately uh 2013 was I started watching WWE right after, so mm -hmm. uh, every episode I saw showed replays, so I basically saw the match, uh, but uh, it was a great time to launch in and be like, yo, John Cena's good. What? John Cena? Uh, because as you said, the next year when he, when he took on Brock Lesnar, awesome. Great match. Just got pummeled. So good. And... Uh, was it 2015? Was 2015 when Stephen Amell... Sorry, I'm jumping around. I'm super excited about this because I totally forgot that all these matches, but Stephen Amell showed up and he was like, yo, what's up? Don't think he was as good as he was at All In, but it was cool that he, he dipped his toes into... Well, that match, um, again, I've not researched this one, so I'm having to pull this from memory, but I think you're right. I think that was SummerSlam. And I think, was it not Stephen Amell and Neville versus yes. Cody, who I think was Stardust at the time? And I can't remember who Cody's partner was, but I Wade remember Barrett. it being Wade Barrett, right? And uh, that was, yeah, tag match, I believe, at SummerSlam. 
And I think the reason they did that was they were going for like a superhero vibe because Stephen Amell was Arrow. Mm -hmm. Neville, of course, had his purple cape at the time doing that kind of weird Mighty Mouse thing. And then you had uh, Cody as Stardust. What did Wade do? How did, was he just like dressed as the queen or something? What was going on? Yeah, he was the King Barrett he, at the time. So oh, was, was he King Barrett? That was that makes him a superhero. <laughs> yeah, kings are superheroes these days. Yeah, they must be. <laughs> King Corbin. Yeah. Uh, so, wow, yeah, I forgot about that match. Uh, it was also uh, SummerSlam where Orton became the youngest world champion, beating uh, Chris Benoit in 2004. He was uh, aged 24. And also, Brett the Hitman Hart, this is a cool fact, he won the tag titles at 1990 when Hart Foundation beat Demolition. He won the Intercontinental Championship in 91 when he beat Mr. Perfect. And then he beat, he won the WWE Championship against The Undertaker in 97. So he actually achieved the Triple Crown at SummerSlam. Like, I think he'd already achieved it before this point but in if you just took SummerSlam as its own event he still achieved the triple crown the tag titles the ic title and the wwe championship he won it all at SummerSlam across the various years i thought that was really cool i thought that was really cool so that that is a little trip down uh memory lane when it comes to uh SummerSlam. And Tommy, are you still around? Is your, is your <laughs> screen frozen? Tommy, you're just I sat think. there smiling. You look yeah, so like... content. You look super content. Uh, look like at that. I don't even know what you're looking at. It looks like you're point. looking at a revealing picture of Svitlana. That's what I'm going to say. Am I still frozen? He's hit the kill switch. Is it frozen? Oh, yes. Yeah, you had Fred. I was talking and, and I said, that's pretty much all I've got for SummerSlam. And I looked. And I was just like. You just had the most content look on your face. It was brilliant. It was really nice. That's happened, that's well, happened to us a few times in recent weeks, hasn't it? Where, where um, it's like frozen. It's retribution. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. Last thing I need. It's happened the past two weeks, days. Last thing I need is to be bullied by children. Retribution. <laughs> well, that's what happens in the comments, man. Sorry, that's rude. That's rude. I know that I'm a 30-year-old man and I'm in the comments. That's... I just doxed my age. I'm a 20-year-old man. 20-year-old man, yeah. You're yeah. younger than me. Um, yeah. so I'm, I'm 21. No, I'm older than you. You're 21. Yeah, but, and you just, you're 20. Didn't you just say you was 20? So, sorry, I failed math. <laughs> wow. Join us next week for uh, Tommy Math Travels. Uh, <laughs> uh, awesome. Uh, I, look, I think that was everything I've, I had. I mean, uh, <laughs> why, why, I think, why outstay our welcome? Why outstay our yeah, welcome? Discord is like, get out of here, dude. Yeah, it, once again, Discord is like, kill it. Kill it. This is it. <laughs> now we just take our cues from Discord. Now Discord yeah. just tells us when to end. So that's it. We are done. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for 
joining us for this episode. Um, I know it's quite information heavy, but man, I love doing these when you've got a big show coming up because, of course, we are literally just a week or so away now from SummerSlam 2020. So I always like to think of those uh, new WWE fans. I mean, I'm sure there is one or two out there uh, that have uh, just come to WWE or those younger WWE fans that maybe want to know a little bit of the history, a little bit of the backstory. It's exactly what uh, these kinds of episodes uh, are there for. So, uh, yeah, I hope uh, I hope people found that informative and whatever. And, uh, yeah, really cool. What are you going off to do now then? Have you got any plans for your – when is it you go back home? Tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. Right. So this is your last night in yeah. wherever you are. Okay. That's why this is my last one. So oh. I just want to thank everyone for uh, supporting me during this this whole this whole run of podcasts. It's been really fun to meet everyone. It's been fun to reconnect with you days. Um, and hopefully wherever the road takes me will be a good career choice. But for now, I can't do this podcast anymore down here. Well, Discord doesn't want me to do it anymore down <laughs> That's here. That's true. That's it's like, true. go back home, bro. That's true. But, um, I mean, but just for the record, we are definitely back next week, but you will be back in your other room. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Because <laughs> every time you do that, there's a little heart murmur that I get. <laughs> where it's like, okay, right, cool. So I don't want to be sat. I don't want to be sat here on my own. No one wants me to be sat here on my own. Do you know what I mean? Well, when when I I'll I'll come up with a will, just in case, and I will choose someone in my will to take over once I uh, go to the next place in my journey down the stream of life. Wow, this has gone deep. It might be Svetlana. I, I can definitely understand now why Discord was like, kill it, kill this, kill this, because this conversation is going to get dark. Kill it, kill it now, guys. This is, I'm giving you, I'm giving you an out. I'm giving you an out. Kill it now before before Tommy starts talking about death and wills. Well, Dave, like, I did say ex- last week how much I like tearing <laughs> people limb by limb. Yeah, you did, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's on brand. Awesome, guys. Thanks a lot for watching. I'm going to go before anything else is said <laughs> uh, that might get us demonetized. So thanks a lot for watching. Hopefully see you again next time. Bye for now.